have your Bibles with you <clears throat> tonight, we're going to pick up where we left off this morning. <clears throat> the title of the message was, Do You Live Here or Are You Just Visiting? This is part two. Amen. And <clears throat> we're starting uh, right back at the scripture there was just read before we left off of our base text, which was Ephesians 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Stand with me for the reading of the Word, and I'll just go over it, and then we can move on. The Bible says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. Father, for the next few moments here tonight, Lord, I just ask you to use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Lord, give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word tonight. Give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you would lay it out before us. And give us the godly wisdom, Lord, to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Praise God. <laughs> amen. So we're no more strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow citizens. Amen. And we talked about this morning how that if you're visiting somewhere, you don't know much about the area, you need to get a guide. Amen. And, and when people come to the kingdom of God, it's no different. Amen. This is a kingdom. And... If you've never had anybody to lead or guide you into this kingdom life, you're not getting any, anywhere close to the full experience of the kingdom life. You're not even getting close to, uh, to the experience you could have and must have uh, in the kingdom of God unless there is someone that can guide you through the Word of God, lead you and guide you through the Word of God and help you understand what it says in the Word of God. That's why the Bible says that you need a preacher. Amen. And not only a preacher, but a preacher that has been sent by God. Because only those that are sent by God are equipped with what you need. So you must follow somebody that is sent by Jesus Christ Himself. He is the chief cornerstone. If I have not been built by Jesus and equipped by Jesus, there is nothing I can do for you. Nothing. I can pet on you and smooth on you and all that kind of stuff and, and, uh, and charm some money out of your pocket. But I can do nothing to further your efforts to make it home. Sadly enough, that is absolutely the consensus of the land. They are make, they made a career out of a pulpit. My my job and my delight is to one day to be able to just say, "Here they are, Lord." All 372 of them. 
fought tooth and nail for every one of them we did. Here they are. All of them ready to meet you, Lord. Amen. There's a remnant of every fallen church in the area right here in the, in the building. Amen. There it is, Lord. That don't mean that they fell apart and quit. That just means the Word of God left there. Amen. And here it is in this building. See what I mean? Amen. We just got the best of the best. You know, if somebody else's war is over, a real soldier is going to find the next war. There's people that just love war. There's people that love to be in the fight. And once the battle's over, if you've dropped this Bible out of the pulpit, your battle's over, partner. <laughs> you ain't in the fight no more. And some people just got to find that next fight because they're just born to be a soldier. Born to be a soldier. There's a message. Born to be a soldier. Because that's what we're born into this for is to be a soldier. Amen. And there's some people that just have that built-in stink built into them, man, that, you know what, I'm, there's just not, enough, just not enough going on here, man. There ain't enough fighting of the devil for this to be real. You know, that's, you, you learn how to look for real stuff, you know. You learn how to look for the real stuff, and, and you can tell when, when, a, 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 when a church has got real stuff going on because the devil's going to be fighting it on every side. Everybody in the building, if they've really got the Holy Ghost and they're really seeking and they're really following this word right here, they're going to be fighting every day. They're going to be fighting every time they turn around. They're going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen. If you're not seeing a bunch of people with a bunch of afflictions, then they're not righteous. They may look righteous to you. They may be righteous in front of you. But when they're home, you know, there's a whole lot of, a whole lot of men that come to church and, man, they're great men and at home they're tyrants. They come to church and look like, look like they're great men of God and go home, turn into Satan himself. A whole lot of women like that too. But I don't want that kind of stuff. I'm looking for people that are real. What you see is what you get. Amen. 24-7. Amen. Like Sister Yunt does. Stays up 24-7. Amen. But uh, praise God. And you know what? It's our job to lead and guide them into this place and lead and guide them into the kingdom of God. Amen. So that's what we're talking about tonight is do you live here or are you just visiting? Because if you live here, you need to know the lay of the land. If you live here, amen, then you need to be able to instruct. How many of you, how many of you know your hometown pretty good? How many of you know all the ins and outs of your home area? You know, brother, brother, uh, this wasn't where you was raised. This wasn't where you was born. Yeah. Brother Edward, you know, I don't know if he was born there or whatever, but I can tell you he knows a lot about Beaumont. He can definitely tell you the places to stay away from. He can definitely tell you the places that are better to go. He can tell you probably a few of the things that are maybe the, maybe if there's any chosen sites around there that there's good sites to go and see or whatever, then he can tell you about those things as well. He knows where, you know, where all the places are that, uh, that uh, is the best crabbing and different things like that that he's experienced and gone to those places. And, and so people can tell you a lot about things they're familiar with and the places that they like to go. Amen. We ought to be able to tell everybody and everybody we meet all about the kingdom of God because we're not visitors here. I'm not just talking about this church right here, this building. I'm talking about the church. The church ain't this building. Amen. This is just a temporary building right now until we build our bigger building. Amen. But we're going to have to have to fit all the people in this building. Amen. 
But this is not the church. Amen. You know, as 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 uh, uh, as a child grows, you can't just you know get out your uh, get out your hammer and smack them into them clothes and say, "Dad, gummit, we're not buying you no more clothes. You just we just bought you some four or five years ago. Get in them clothes and shut up." Okay, so they're no longer long pants or shorts now. Get in them, boy. Let's go. You know, <laughs> that's not how it works. You go out and you have to get them new clothes as they grow. Amen. And you know what? That's the same way as we are. Amen. We ain't worried about we ain't worried about the building. What we're worried about is the church. Amen. And so, uh, praise God. So we are to be able, since we're no longer visitors here. We're no longer strangers and foreigners. Amen. If you live here, you're no longer a stranger and foreigner to it. You know this is home. And if it's home, you need to take good care of your home. You need to study. Amen. To show yourself to prove. You need to know about this. The Bible says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Why? Because you're going to become a guide. You're going to be a guide in something. You need to know something about it, don't you? How are you going to be a guide? See, a lot of people came to you. A lot of people came to you, Sister Young. I mean, Sister Quick, as to be a guide. Why do we do this? Well, there's time for you to jump up and be the guide. How are you going to be a guide if, if the guide don't know everybody's in trouble? When you're on a hunting trip and you're at 14,000 feet in the wilderness... And you had to pack horse in because you can't, there's no vehicles allowed in the wilderness up there. No motorized vehicles whatsoever. And there's no motorized anything allowed up there. You have to pack in with horses or walk in. And if you get up on that mountain, you don't go up there without a guide. You go up there with a very experienced guide with many years experience to know how to handle any situation. Because there has been the place I hunt up there up higher than where we hunt just the next the next distance up from us is wilderness, West Elk Wilderness. And there's been entire pack groups that have died, horses and all, up there in recent years where they packed in by horse. And, I mean, guides that really knew what they were doing, but in the middle of the night, a snowstorm come in, snowed six, eight foot, and it stayed for a month. Well, they weren't prepared for a month. They weren't prepared, and they and they didn't have no way out. They couldn't get out because the snow was too high. All their horses died, and they weren't prepared for that. See, but but the, you, you don't even think about going into that kind of place without a, a very experienced guide, which takes precautions and many provisions just in case. And it's the same with this. You cannot navigate, no one can navigate this Bible without the Holy Ghost. You cannot do it. That's why people can't understand the King James Version. I'm doing a big study right now on all the, tra- all the, and we're getting ready to do a, I'm getting ready to teach on that probably this week, of all the different Bibles and what they've done. It's going to be, it's going to be a big, big deal. And you hear people all the time saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, uh, I didn't realize that, you know, that they've changed this much stuff and, and, and I, uh, in the NIV and these different ones. And she said, uh, this lady was talking, she says, my goodness, uh, how did, uh, 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 
how do I find uh, how do I find one that uh, a King James version and all that I can read and all that kind of stuff? I couldn't understand it. And this evidently this preacher who supports the NIV got on there and says, "No, no, people have made a big mistake and they're wrong and this and that." And I was listening to this guy, and it just all these commentaries on it, you know, just commentary after commentary. And I'm just thinking to myself, you people are so blind, so blind. And they're instructing this woman that, no, no, these people are wrong. And she just sucked right into it and took off. And, okay, okay, never mind. So, folks, you're not going around the Holy Ghost with this right here. You ain't going around the Holy Ghost. How many of you had a hard time understanding the King James Version Bible? Do you come here? What was the problem? Was it the Bible? What was the problem? It was the teacher. You're not supposed to be. It wasn't you. You weren't the problem. No, I'm going to have to take that off your back right there. You just get that off your mind right now. You were not the problem. And I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. You were not the problem. The problem was the one you were sitting under was not teaching you how to read and what the Word's saying. Because there is a zone that you get in. There is a there is a transition that takes place. And when you there's a crossing over. I don't know how to really explain it. There is just a transition that takes place and when you walk into that spirit of God that's in the house and you begin to see the word of God, the King James Bible come alive. It doesn't take you very long to get in that zone where you begin to immediately understand the King James Bible. And you begin to think in Bible. And nothing goes over your head. Even when it does, I'm right there to stop it and say, okay, let's take a look at this. And the more that happens, the more clearly you begin to see all of that Bible. Because you start Thinking in Bible. And when you start thinking in Bible, and then you start to hear your Father's voice in nothing but this book. You know that's your Father's voice. See, I don't care whatever happens. You will never change your Bible from this point. Once you get this going on in your life, you ain't never going back. I ain't worried about you running over and picking up no Bible. Amen, because I know neither one of, not anybody in this church will ever go pick up a different Bible because you think in Bible now. And that's how it's supposed to be. The Bible tells you not to. Woo, we're going to look at that real hard this week. Praise God. Lord, Lord's, uh, Lord tears and, and nothing don't happen. Boy, we're going to really dig into that. And I love that. We're going to do a big old study. And I won't ever, I want this on ever YouTube or what not you, yeah, YouTube. And, uh, whatever kind of broadcasting is on the planet, I want it out there. Amen. And I want people to see, amen, all the changes that people have made in every single version of the Bible, including the New King James. Taking some of the most key scriptures out. Don't huh. get me started. Amen. So... As we are 
We are the guides. That's what we're becoming. You're in guide school. Amen. That's what you are. You're in guide school. You're becoming guides to this new land that we're in. You're tour guides. Here's where Jesus is. This is where you find him right here. Let's go meet him. Here's where you find him. Amen. What do y'all believe? Well, you know, this is, this is what the Bible says right here. It doesn't mean about what you believe. It's, See, always take that away from that. Take that, just stop that right there. Nip that in the bud right there when it comes. I say, what do you believe? I believe the Bible. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, here's what the Bible says, and then the Bible says, amen. Because that takes, that takes guessing out of it. That takes you out of the scenario and puts it all on God. And it steers their mind right back to the chief cornerstone. Praise God. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Don't matter what I believe. What, the, what matters is what does the Bible say. Amen. You are an ambassador representing the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of the Almighty God, and that's it. There's not to be any of you brought into it. Amen. It's all God. <clears throat> now, tonight I want to talk to you about being at home in the church. <clears throat> See, a lot of you, think that they would say, well, yeah, I left home all ago and came to church. No, you didn't. No, you left your sweet uh, sleeping place and came home. Yeah, this is home right here. Because the Bible says you're no more strangers and foreigners. <clears throat> you are no more strangers and foreigners But you are fellow citizens, citizenship, you are fellow citizens with the saints of God. You live in the same place they do. You're, you're a part of the same place they are and of the household of God. So don't misunderstand. No, 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 no. I don't live over there. I live here. This is where my life is right here. <clears throat> That's where I sleep. That's where I keep some of my stuff that I've got to make it through this life with. But this is home. I have some blood relatives out of here, but this is my family right here. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. This is my family right here. I'm going to tell you right now. This is the ones I'm going to go home with right here, praise God. And this is the ones going home with me. We try to get everybody else to come into this real thing right here. This is the real deal. This is the real life. We traded our democracy in. We traded our uh, uh, our mortal lives in for the spiritual. We traded all that in the waters of baptism. Listen, when you're living at home, you traded, you traded all that in. When you got married, the Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and his father, and they twain, and joined to his wife, and said, they twain shall be one flesh. Amen. So, you left the, key, the, the, the democracy of this life, 
You left this world. You traded in your citizenship here. You can't, you can't serve God and mammon. You traded in your citizenship here for that one up there. Now we're members of this body. We are fellow citizens, which means our citizenship is in heaven. The Bible says in another place our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation in the Greek means citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. So we're no longer citizens of earth, but we are ambassadors. Why? How can we be an ambassador for Christ if you know nothing about him? This is why you must take his yoke upon you and learn of him. That and study to show thyself approved. You have to continually learn more because the people that you disciple or the people that you bring, you have to be able to minister to them and answer their questions because you're God's mouthpiece. If there is something that needs to be answered, they need to be able to come to you to get that answer. They need to be able to come to you and say, well, uh, let me just ask you a question, Brother Quick. Uh, what do you believe you have to do to be saved? Whoa, hold on. Hold a wagon. Let me stop you for just a minute. Just say somebody comes up out of the blue and says, Well, what do you believe? What do you believe has to, you have to do to be saved? That's good, you know, but here's the, here's the quick, here's the quick answer. The quick answer is, the Bible says, well, the Bible says, see, even before, I mean, you could tell them to get your Bible out, and that's always good if they've got one. Yeah, but you see what I'm yeah, you can show them where it's at, but the, 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 the quick response is always, well, the Bible says, because you want them to know it's just not your theory of what you need to do. Well, here's what the Bible says about it. See, they're wanting, they're wanting Kevin Quick's answer. You know, even though Kevin Quick has the answer, brother Kevin Quick has the right answer, but you just want to put it all out right back on Jesus. Well, the Bible, the Word of God says, well, the Bible says, you know, here's what the Bible says about it. You know, you got your Bible, grab it, let's look, let's look and see. See what I mean? It just takes you all out of the scenario because then nobody can point a finger at you, start throwing the blame at you and all that kind of stuff. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Now, so we need to realize the significance of being the church. You need to be at home in the church. You need to feel home when you're here. There's a transition that takes place. And sometimes it takes longer than others. Just some people get it quicker than others or whatever. But I can tell you when it's going to happen. It's when you go all in. There comes a time when you start out, then it's... Sometimes it's it's a chore to come to the house of God. Sometimes you have to bring a sacrifice of praise because sometimes you feel like 
you know, it's uh, you're tired or, you know, man, I really don't want to go. <laughs> Whatever reason that the enemy tries to, to bring in. But then there comes a time if you hold out and you really get in. The Bible says if you make, listen carefully, four services in a row, you're in the habit of going to church. But here's the statistic. If you miss two, you're out of the habit. That's the, I didn't make the statistic. It's a statistic. But there is, if you hold on, there is a transition and a change that takes place. And at some point, you begin to hunger for church. You begin to want to go to church. And you begin to think, man, when is church? When is church? You begin to look forward to church. Amen. And you begin to delight in church. You delight in being with the family of God. You have more fun being with the family of God than you do with your own blood family. You have more, because you have more in common with them. And you enjoy being around them. You enjoy the fact that you can be around the entire family of God. There's no drama. There's no, there's no, uh, 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 soap opera going on. There's no filth going on. There's no cussing going on. There's no drinking going on. There's no smoking going on. There's none of this, all this nonsense is out the door. It's nowhere around here. This is a safe place. What place better to find rest? Come on, church. Somebody say something. Praise God or something. Hallelujah. That don't mean you don't love your family. Of course you love your family. But I'm going to tell you what. This is home and this is my real family right here. These are the people that believe like I believe. They want what I want. They're not against me. They're not against what I believe. They're not against my God. They're not against. The Bible says birds of a feather flock together. There's a reason for that. Amen. We are a unique people. We are a specific group of soldiers in a very specific army. And this must be our home. You must be at home. In the house of God. How many of you feel home here? Don't you just feel good when you come to the house of God? Don't you just feel at peace? Don't you just feel close to God? Oh yeah. Praise God. This is the closest thing to heaven we'll ever get on earth. I've often said this, and it's just something that's always struck me. If you don't want to go to church like we do, if you don't want to praise and all that and worship and study the Word of God and you don't want to know about Jesus and you want to just play church and stuff like that, if you just want to Give God your spare time 
and you think it's, and I hear this from a lot of people. I don't believe you have to go to church, you know, all that much. I don't believe you have to do all, I don't believe you have to do all that. Y'all have heard it a million times, I'm sure. If you don't want God like that, why would Jesus ever want to let you into heaven? And why would you even want to go? You know, heaven's going to be this times a million round the clock, honey. There ain't going to be no sleeping. There ain't going to be no sleeping. You're going to be praising and worshiping the consuming fire, praise God, for the rest of eternity. Why would you want to go? If you can't even go to church two or three times a week, dear God, why would you even want to do that? Why would you want to go? i tell you why they want to go. They just don't want to go to hell. They don't want to go up there. Yeah. They don't want to go to hell. Why would God even let you in? See, God sees people sitting on the pew going, Shoot me. Oh, God. I'm only going to be ten more minutes. Oh, God. What? Oh, there's another 45 minutes. Oh, my God. What did he say? Oh, no. No, he didn't say to have him closing with his scripture. Oh, no. That scripture's 800 verses long. Yeah. Sound like a play to me, God, how you see it. How you seeing it up there? You writing it in the book? Okay. He's just writing right now. I just want to know. He's he just writing. That's all he's doing is just writing stuff down, you know. Y'all go ahead and keep talking. Anybody else? <laughs> is everybody comfortable? Everybody comfortable? <laughs> See him crawfishing now, God. See him crawfishing. He's crawfishing back now. Amen. <laughs> Folks, so many people, they don't want what we have. But there are people out there that, that don't know what we have. There's so many people out there that are just like us. They're just like you were. They want the answers. And, you know, when you give something, it's, it's really, it really kind of blows your mind when somebody says, yeah, give me more of that. You're like, excuse me, what? Wait, what, what did you say? What? Yeah, oh, I like that. What? Wait a minute. Excuse me. What? You like it? Did you hear what it was? Did you hear it? Did you listen to it? Yeah, I listened to it. I really liked it. Get out of here. You know. No, you didn't. Yeah, I liked it. Man, don't play with me, man. You know, because you hear so many other people like, yeah, I, I listen to it. Really, you sit over in the corner, you know, a dog chewing on it. <laughs> frisbee. Thanks for the Frisbee, man. You know, CD you gave them, you know. You're so used to seeing it fail. It's almost shocking when somebody says, hey, do you have any more of that? 
Yeah, I was really trying to be nice to my mother one time. I don't know why I was doing it. I was an idiot, I guess. But uh, my mother one time was over at her mother's in Beaumont. Her mama lived in Beaumont. And uh, and mama made fried okra. I'm so glad you do, because somebody has to eat it, and I'm sure glad it's you. And so, you know, I said, uh, she said, well, was that good? I said, oh, yeah, Mom, that was good. You know, she says, well, good, here. Gave me another big old spoon of it. I'm like, good stuff, Mom. And I ate every drop of it. And I went out there thinking, you're the biggest idiot you're the biggest idiot that ever lived on this earth, man. You know from now on, man, you're going to have to eat okra. Of course, I didn't. But, uh, man. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes it uh, it can be shocking when people actually say, yeah, I, I want more of that. And it's going to be rare because this is not just the, this is not just the status quo stuff. Not many people want the truth. But you need to be prepared for the ones that do. It's very important that you you know all about this home that we're in now, this new this new uh this new kingdom life. It's a world of difference. Amen. And we need to realize that we're home and we need to feel like we're home and we need to know about our home. Amen. If you don't know about it, how will you tell others about it? You see what I mean? When someone, and it's all about winning souls. Somebody get me a scripture here, Matthew 25. Matter of fact, let's just go to Matthew 25. Let me get that scripture, a bunch of it in there. Scripture that you're very familiar with. I talk about it a lot. It's the parable of the talents. This life is all about winning souls. Are you aware of that? What's the most important soul, Sister Rosie? Who's the one you need to win first? That's right. That's exactly right, Sister. Give me something on that. Can you remember a scripture that might apply right there? You don't have to quote it perfect. Just remember a scripture. No. What about who's got to who's got to be the first partaker? The husbandman. He's the caretaker of the fruit. He's the caretaker of the garden, right? So he must be first. The husbandman, the one that takes care of the garden, the one that your garden is taken care of by you. You are the one that takes care of your garden. Your garden consists of the seed in you and the fruit that you bear. You see what I mean? So you are your you are the husbandman for to, to those that you bear fruit to. You see what I mean? The fruit that you bear is the what? The fruit that you bear is, is what you've learned and the seed is in the fruit. The Word of God is in that fruit. When I, when I bear fruit to you, I don't only bear the fruit, but I help you digest that fruit. 
I help you eat that fruit and get the seed out of it. Before you leave this church, generally you have gotten the seed out of the fruit that you got that at that feeding. And you've gotten the, the seed, which is the revelation. And you can take that seed. That seed may take a while, but it grows in you and it begins to, it begins to, to blossom in you and then it begins to grow and then it begins to, uh, to, to bear, it begins to become fruit. And then you bear that fruit. You shall know them by their fruit. What is their fruit? It's what they teach. It's their doctrine. You'll know them by their fruit. You know me by what I preach, don't you? You think I'm a Baptist preacher? There he is. Ha <laughs> ha! You know what? I'm not what the world would call a Baptist preacher, but I'm the absolute epitome of a Baptist preacher. Because I'm a preacher of the real Word, and I baptize people all the time. That's what makes me a Baptist preacher, not some organization full of a bunch of crazy nuts. But I'm a pastor and a preacher of the Word of God, and I am a baptizer. Amen. John the Baptist was John the Submerser, and I submerse people all the time. Amen. I baptize lots of people, and I plan on baptizing a lot more. If Lord tarries, I'm going to baptize a lot more. 347. Yeah, that sounds good. What's that? No, I eat porterhouse and ribeye. Notice ain't no beard either. I didn't say I was like John. I said John the Baptist was John the Submerser. That did not say any kind of thing like I'm John the Baptist. Okay. <laughs> I'm a baptizer, amen. Amen. But, uh, no, you ain't going to hook me on no locust, I can tell you right now. <laughs> but I'll eat a locust before I eat a cabbage, I can tell you that. Got to be some meat in there somewhere. Deep in there, wherever. I'm going in deep, that's all I'm telling you. Come here, locust. Here, boy, come on. Get on the bread. <clears throat> now, Matthew 25, 15 says... For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Okay, what's that talking about? Somebody help me out. Who's the man traveling into a far country? Jesus. That's right. He called his own servants. Who might that be? The church. And delivered unto them his goods. What, that, what might that be? The word of God. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and then straightway took his journey. There are some that God delivers from many, many things. The Bible said in one place, he said, She has been delivered from much, and so... She loveth much. See? Let me tell you, there are people out there that don't have a love for the Lord like I do. And they don't take this as serious as I do, but I'm going to tell you what. Maybe they've never been down the roads I've been down, and maybe he didn't come rescue them out of the places he's rescued me out of. Because I'm going to tell you, he had to reach down a long way to get me. 
Amen. And I'm going to tell you, he whom has been forgiven much, loveth much. That's what the Bible says. He whom has been forgiven much, loveth much. And he's forgiven me a lot. And I love him a lot. Amen. And I want to please him. I want to be closer to him. I want to be home with him. It's what I want to be. Amen. And this is as close as I can get. Therefore, I want to be here as often as I can. Amen. All right, he said, Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. What it's talking about here is God delivered me from many things. And God gave me many things as far as the Word and the ability to teach. And I have the the, the ability to reach out and, and, and teach people. But He delivered me from several things. And there has been, you know, God gave me the uh, a gift of healing many years ago. Just almost... Almost immediately after I got into the, into the ministry became a pastor, God anointed me with that gift. And I, I thank Him for that. I praise Him for that. But there's been many times in my life as well when I laid hands on people and, and healed the sick as the Bible tells me to do with the power that God gave me to do it. There's been several times in my life that I felt that sickness come into me. I don't know how to describe it other than that. But I literally took that sickness from them. And then God took it from me. You understand what I mean? And sometimes it was right after that service that they were healed in that I felt it and I thought, at first I didn't realize what was happening. But after it happened several times, I begin to realize sometimes that's the way God does it. Is I take it, and then God takes it from me. It's the strangest thing. It doesn't happen like that all, all the time. But notice, God will send you to people like you. He will send the smoker that used to be a smoker to a smoker. He will send the drinker or the drunkard, the one that used to be a drunkard, to the drinker. He will send people to people just like themselves. And that has to do with the parable of the talents. Let me tell you something. To whom much is given shall more be required. Shall much be required. So here's the deal. If God delivered you from cigarettes, He delivered you from cussing, He delivered you from smoke, or, or uh, uh, delivered you from drinking, delivered you from drugs, whatever situation, you better not show up without someone just like you. You better not show up without somebody that you've ministered to about cigarettes, that you've ministered to about drinking, that you've ministered to about drugs. That you and, and I'm gonna tell you something: you're not gonna be able to put it on Jesus because He will make that opportunity at some point in your life. And you need to understand what it is when that happens. You need to understand it's, it's Bible. It's the parable of the talents. 
So if God delivers you from much, you need to be watching because he's going to send you for much. And he's going to, the Bible says to whom, uh, uh, the Bible says to whom much is given shall what must be what? Required. Required. It's a requirement. It then becomes a requirement for you to make it home. You can't make it home without it. How do we know that? The end of the story. And it don't matter how big or how small it is. Doesn't matter how big and how small it is. Listen carefully. Let's go further. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with them same and made the other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. And after a long time, notice it said, Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. What does that mean? God delivered him from five things, so to speak. Maybe it's more. And he went. He went and traded. So what he did, what did he do? What does it mean he went and traded and made five other talents? You see how it said that? He went and took what he had, and he traded it all. He said, uh, hey, what I got is uh, freedom from cigarettes. I'm going to trade you for it. I'm going to trade you. I'm going to give you that right there, and I'm going to take them right there. I'm going to take them out of your pocket. I'm going to trade you what I got for them cigarettes in your pocket. Praise God. I'm going to trade you eternal life for them cigarettes. Well, you can't, but I mean, how can I quit? I mean, man, Jesus can help you do it. Praise God. Let me tell you, man, he helped me. I was just like you, man. I know how hard it is, but you can do this. You can do this. Amen. Here's you some patches. Here's something to help you through this. Here's you something to help you through. Come on. You can do it. I'm with you, man. If you need me, call me anytime, day or night. You can call me, and I'll help you through this, man. You can do it. Praise God. You're going to be so glad you did. See? All right. So then, so then you got them, you got them cigarettes stored up. You took them cigarettes and traded, and you got him now. Now you got him. There's one. Hey man, I see you got some Bacardi there. That used to be my that used to be my drink, man. You know what I'm gonna do, man? I'm gonna take you in the name of Jesus, and I'm gonna take that bottle of Bacardi from you right there, man. I got that now, amen. And you can do this, man, because I'm telling you, I used to be the worst sort of that mess. And I'm gonna tell you, you can do it, man. Oh man, I don't know, man. You can do it, man. If you need me, call me, man. Come, come unto the Lord, learn of Him, amen. You, you can do this, man. I'm telling you, you can do it. You'll never regret it, man. I promise you, you can do this, man. Haven't you seen me? Yeah, man, I've seen you do it. Okay. All right, man, you know how I used to be. Yeah, I know, man. I know, man. I'm just, see how it is now? Yeah, man, I want, I want that. Okay, well, come on, you be with me. There's two. Get your picture? And then when you go and do that, see, when you stand before God, after this long time he's talking about and he comes back, he's going to say, uh, hey, man, uh, good to see you. Good to see you. Did, uh, did, uh, didn't I deliver you from uh, alcohol? Well, yeah. Yes, Lord, you did. Thank you so much for that. Thank 
you, Lord, for that. Awesome. Where's that? Uh, where's the alcoholics you got? Where's, where's the alcoholic at? There he is. There's one over there. Right there. Amen. He's been with me a long time, God. Yeah, I know. He's a good one, isn't he? Yes, he is, Lord. There's another one over there. Amen. You should drink. Yeah. That's good. Good job. Where's uh, Didn't you used to smoke and not deliver you from cigarettes? Oh, yeah, Lord. You got them from me, God. Where's them smokers? Well, Lord, there's... There's a tobacco user right there. There's a smoker right there. Used to be smoker. Lord, there's several in the audience. There used to be smokers right there. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Where's it? When I deliver you metal, nasty talk and little filthy cussing and stuff. Yeah, Lord, you did. Where's them people that you? Where's them cussers at? Where's them profanity people? There's one right there. She's be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One over there and one there and there's one over there, one right there, bad one right there, amen. Amen, really bad one right there, and, you know. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where's uh that's good. That's good. You know, once he goes down the line with all five or all hundred and five, which is my case, because God delivered me from myself was the biggest one. He's going to say, hmm. He's going to look at me and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Because thou wast faithful over a few things, I make thee ruler over many. Oh, praise God. I want to hear that so bad. I want to hear that so bad. I want to hear those words. Grant it, Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Mm-mm. Listen to what it says. We'll go a little further here. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee rule over many. Enter into thou, enter thou into the joy of the Lord, of thy Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. Who had more, Sister Yunt? So he gave the one five, and then he had ten. He gave the one two, and then he had four. Who had more? Okay, and you know that's a very common that's a very common way to think. They both had the same. They doubled it. You see what I mean? That's that's God's math. Bible said He gave them talents according to His several ability, according to their ability. So God's not going to send you unto more than you can achieve because you got to achieve it to make it home, and He's not going to make it where you can't make it home. You could, you're not going to ever be able to look at Jesus and say, you made it too hard for me. I could, it wasn't possible. I couldn't have done it. He would say, yes, you were. I know exactly what your limitations are, and I gave you what your limitations are. He's not going to give you less than your limitations either. He's going to give you exactly what he, because he designed you, knows exactly what you can do. 
And if He delivered you from X amount of things, you better get busy. And you better find those people, or you better not miss that opportunity, because you're going to have to have it to make it home. Let's take a look at the end of the story. And the Bible says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Everybody understand? Now do you understand the parable of the talents? Any questions? Anybody Anybody understand? Anybody, anybody not understanding it? God, ex, what is it? Usury means interest. See, in other words, if he gave me one, he's going to expect that back, me, to make it. I still need to make it myself. He said, that which is mine own, which is me, with usury. In other words, I need to bring somebody else with me, just like me. He only had one talent. He only had to reach one person. But he didn't. He just took what he had and said, don't touch me. Get back. Don't touch me. No, no, no. Stay back. I don't want you taking what I got. Stay back. I don't want to. No, no, no. No, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. He buried it in the sand. I'm going to have that. God comes back. I'm going to have that. Huh. See, but he ain't going to have no usury with it. He ain't going to be able to take. He should have took what God did and went out and said, man, you got to meet this Jesus. Man, I used to smoke like that. He should have went to the smokers and said, hey, I used to smoke like that. But God delivered me from that. Amen. Let me tell you something. When you got, when you've been delivered from cirrhosis of liver, praise God, you need to take that to the masses and say, man, look what God did for me. Praise God. You talking about a return. You better bring somebody. You better bring somebody because if you don't, buddy, you're going to be, you're going to be just like this fellow right here. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say, I delivered you from that. You didn't take that to the masses, thou wicked and slothful servant. What greater thing could you possibly take to the masses of this world than an absolute deliverance from the hand of Almighty God Himself? How in the world could you get anything better than that? See what I mean? And so praise God. See, God delivered me from that. God delivered me from that. There is not any possible way on this planet and anyone that knew me would absolutely testify to that. That somebody like me could not have cirrhosis of the liver drinking like I drank. There's just no possible way. No possible way. But when I went and had my liver checked, perfect. 
My cholesterol, perfect. My triglycerides, perfect. That was several years back. I didn't want to go get no test done. Get no test. What the heck I'm going to get tests for? I know what's coming, man. I knew I was bleeding internally. I was already bleeding inside and passing blood and all kind of stuff. On you know, yeah, I knew it was up. I knew the gig was up. But God. But God. And so you know what? Lo and behold, in one day walks one of my talents. Praise the Lord. Well, no question in my mind what was going on. Matter of fact, that very night. I believe that very night. I said, Lord, because I was in talking to the Lord about it. I said, thank you, Lord. There he is. There's one of them talents right there, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, there's one of my talents right there. Amen. It's one of my talents right there. Another one of my talents is her sister. Another one of my talents is her brother-in-law. Amen. See, those are those are people that were delivered from some of the same things that that I used to be bound with myself. See what I mean? And so those are part of my talents that God gave me and expects a return. Praise God. And, and so, man, why in the world would I dare tell you anything but the truth? Praise God. You're one of my talents, amen, and I expect to get you home, praise God, because I need you there. Amen. I need you to make it, praise God. Now, if you turn back or whatever, I'm still going to point to you. I'm in judgment. I'm going to still point to you and say, well, there was one, you know. I've still got others that I can say, well, there's one right there. Now, they went back to it, but I had no control over that. They were not under my authority at that point. A sister yunt, that's a sister yunt move. You see that? <laughs> Amen. So, now, do you clearly understand the parable of the talents? I was driving down the road one day, and I heard this preacher on the radio, Dr. So-and-so, talking about this. Almost wrecked my truck. Could not believe what this nut was saying. It's like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? You're a doctor and you're on the radio? You're talking doctor of theology? I was, oh, I was about ready to smack my head on a tree, man. Woo, it lit me up because he was so far out in the, man, he was out in the woods with this thing. I don't know what the heck he was talking about, man. It was craziness. Mm, thank God for the revelation of the Word. Now, okay, praise God. So listen to what he says. Then he which had received the one talent said, Okay, we're going down further, and he says, And uh, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked, slothful servant, thou knewest, thou reap where I sow not, and, they'll gather, uh, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own, which was him, and with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, take his healing, or take his deliverance from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents. Just apply it to him because he was the most faithful. And he said, For every one that hath shall, that, that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him 
that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And hast, and, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, in this, I'm going to tell you just for a little side note here on the sermon I'm getting ready to talk about. It was actually going to be a big teaching. I actually saw some doctors of theology, famous doctors of theology, saying that hell is not a place of punishment. It just means death. That it's not a place where you're going to be punished. It's just death. You're just not going to be in heaven. That's what hell is. How's he going to explain being on fire for eternity when he himself is on fire for eternity? And he will be, except he repent. Amen. Now, just a little side note there. When some, some, some people or someone in this life needs direction, you need to know the way to go. How many of you in a new place? How many of you in a new place? Traveled to a foreign country or traveled to a foreign land or whatever, and you just got over there, and of course you automatically knew everywhere to go. You knew the lay of the land. You knew the you knew every in and out of the place. You knew the you knew all the laws. You knew everywhere to go. You just didn't have to ask anybody directions. Anybody? How many of you on the flip side of that coin have been places like that? No matter where it's in America or out of America, wherever it's at, you've been somewhere that you ain't familiar with. Once the first thing you do is stop and say, "How do you get over here to this place?" Watch what you're doing, boy. Don't you get them fingers caught in that door? Be careful. Yeah, yeah, be careful, son. I want you to get your feet, I mean, hands caught in that door. I just want him to be careful and realize that it's a heavy door right there. There you go, buddy. Okay. Now, so how many of you stopped and asked for directions? Hey, how do you get, uh, how do you get over here? Or, or, listen, isn't there, is there any place to eat around here? Or do you, man, is there, what do y'all do for fun around here? You know, I mean, is there any type that, you know, where's, where's the place to go, you know? And they say, Immediately, man, somebody around there, oh, yeah, man, you know, yeah. Or somebody even comes in asking directions around here. You're in a store, standing in line. Hey, man, how do you get so-and-so? And they say, well, no. You say, hey, man, I know where it's at. It's right over here, man. You just go down and take a right, take a left, go big oak tree right there. You see that squirrel hanging out on that limb right there? Well, he used to be there before Brother John shot him. But he used to be, that's where he used to live in that tree there. And you got his little squirrel nest still up there. There's a little, there's a little sign up there. It says, rest in peace up there where he used to be. But anyway, uh, right there, you turn left right there and you go down to Bill's shed, turn right, and there it is. Now you're in there at the gate right there, you know. <laughs> well, that's how it is in the kingdom of God with us. People need to be able to come to you and say, listen, what do I need to do to be saved? Why do y'all not cut your hair? Why do y'all, why do the women wear dresses? Why do the men wear suits? Why do y'all have three and four hour services? Why do y'all do this? Why do y'all do that? How come y'all make every service and never miss one? Why do y'all do this? Why do y'all do that? You gotta have an answer for that stuff. You can't just say, Phew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cause yeah. Well, you know, cause. <laughs> I mean, that ain't no excuse. Yep. <laughs> you a man, a few words. 
Amen. No, you got to be able to tell these people why we do what we do. With Bible. Because you are the guide. Amen. When somebody needs directions, you need to be the map. Praise God. You need to be that map. Remember the husbandman must be first partaker, 2 Timothy 2.6. 2 Timothy 2.15, of course, as the Scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God. you got to study. you got to learn of Him. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. Amen. So 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Amen. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How, how difficult, I mean, how, how crazy is that, that you would be a part of something you know nothing about? Amen. My job is to teach you what this is all about. Amen. So that you know what it's all about. And once you learn it, you might be a little shaky at first. But so so it was when you began to ride a bicycle. You was a little shaky in the front wheel doing all this, and you was a little nervous about how you're going to stay up and hold up and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? When I first started walking stilts years ago, man, I was real... You know, I had grid ceiling to hold on. Guy that I was working for, man, I said, I want to walk him. He said, well, get on. He said, just grab on the grid and hold on to it. And I walked around there for a few days, man, and uh, on stilts until, man, until I could walk them just like walking on my feet, you know. And I still can to this day. Matter of fact, I've been on stilts for the past couple of days. So, amen. Very difficult on them feet nowadays. And, whoo, man, my feet are still numb. But uh, they weren't numb yesterday, but uh, they're numb today. But anyway, uh, you do what you got to do sometimes. And uh, but praise God, I, you know. But like I said, said all that to say this: you're not, uh, you don't, you don't start out uh, as uh, knowing it all. You start out, you're a little bit shaky the first time that somebody asks you a question. That's why I try to throw the questionnaire things to you sometimes. Some people are like, oh, God, here we go. God, oh, God, shoot me now. i got to go to the restroom. Get out of there. i got to get in there. You know, hey, let me in there with you, you know. But, you know, I just praise God, that's why we don't have a 14-stall bathroom. Because I have no intention of preaching to myself. <laughs> Somebody say, it's something we ate. Goodbye. You know, Yeah, I know you have it all planned out already, don't you? Amen. So, anyway, uh, so, now I lost my train of thought. You people are so sick, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I quit. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Thank you for my memory. <laughs> you brother memory. <laughs> Amen. But I quiz you sometimes so that, you won't get out there and be so nervous when somebody pops a question on you. I want you to hear that question like it would be out there, and it will be like that. And I have, I have uh, every confidence that that you are much more prepared after those after those type of testing type things to meet those people with those questions. Amen. And you don't you won't stumble as much. And if you do stumble, don't panic. Just say, you know, look, let me uh, let me get you some scriptures on that. You don't have to always give them an answer, Johnny, on the spot. If you don't have the right answer, don't wing it. Don't fake it because they'll catch you on it and you're going to be in trouble. Then you're going to be in trouble and you're going to lose credibility. 
So don't ever, don't ever do that. If somebody catches you with a question, you don't even have to say, well, I don't know. Just say, you know what? Let me get you some scripture on that. And the next time we talk, I'll have some scriptures prepared for you and I'll show you exactly what we're talking about. And it, and that's fine. That's fine. And then go home, get yourself, get your thoughts gathered, get your Bible together, get your scriptures together. Don't, don't fail to do what you told them you'll do. And always go back and say, okay, here's the scriptures and here's why we do this and this is why. And, and you give them some Bible on it. You see what I mean? And it, and, and there's no harm, no foul. Amen. And everybody gets what they need. Praise God. Including you getting the nice little stars on your on your page upstairs, amen, because he is keeping a record, as you can clearly see. Now, wicked and for servant, I gave you one talent. It's not because you can go away and forget who you are. He knows exactly what you have, amen. Now, so how are they going to know these things? How are they going to know that Jesus is who he is. How are they going to know Jesus is the way? Well, you have to go to First John, or John 14, 6. It says, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. So what is the way? What is the truth? What is the life? He said, let's get some scripture on there. John 14, 6, and then let's go over there to Sister... Uh, uh, Sister Sandra, give me First John. Well, I'll give you First John five seven. Uh, never mind. I'll get you these next two. You can quote them without it. You can just quote them. So Sister Sandra's going to quote First John five seven, and Sister Quick is going to quote John one one. Don't you pick that Bible up? Look at her. She's fixing to read it. She's fixing to pick up her quote book. Amen. <laughs> you know these scriptures. Watch it. Did you flip over there? You better not. You better straighten up over there. <clears throat> okay, all right. So who's got John fourteen six? Who's got John fourteen six? Brother Edward, come on. Okay. Now remember, those of you on camera, remember this. Listen very carefully to this. Listen very carefully to what I'm fixing to say. Jesus said Himself, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." No man cometh unto the Father, which is the Spirit of God, but by me. What's the me? The way, the truth, and the life. Okay? So, who's the way? Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. Let's find out more about Jesus. What's it say in 1 John 5, 7? For there and these. Very good. Amen. There are three. The Bible says, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word. It's calling Jesus the Word there. And that is also a capital W. The Father the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Okay, so it called Jesus the Word there, and it's with a capital W. Remember that. First John was written by John. Guess what else was written by John? 
the Gospel of John was written by John. So go back over there now, and let's rightly divide the word from the same author, which of course is the same author, the Holy Ghost, through John. And if you go from, the, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the capital W there being Jesus as well, the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now let's go over to John 1 and 1 and listen to what the Word says when it's talking about Jesus. Come on. Okay. Now, if you look in your Bibles, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W. Who was the Word? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, capital W, was with God, which is who? Jesus. And the Word, capital W, was God. Ta-da! You go down to verse 10 and it says, He was in the world. Who was in the world? Jesus, which is the what? The Word. He was in the world. The world was made by Him. Made by who? Mm-hmm. Which is the... Amen. And the world knew Him not. They didn't recognize Him as God. They thought it was a nut. Okay, so now that we know Jesus is the Word, Brother Edward, would you quote that Scripture for me one more time, please, sir? Yes, sir. I am, come on. Okay. Yep. Okay, and who said that? Jesus said, I am the way. What's the way? Which is the... <laughs> and the... I am the way, the... The truth, which... Who's the truth? Which is the... Mm-hmm. And the... And the life, which is who? Which is the what? See? Make it sense? And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. Any man that climbeth up any other way, the same as a thief and a robber, praise God, let me tell you something, you're going to come through the name of Jesus or you cannot come. Amen. And the world needs to know this because they know him not. They know him not. They don't know he's a consuming fire. They think he's a pushover, cakewalk God. They think he's a powder puff. They think he's a, uh, they think he's just a quick fix and a microwave God. They think he's a band-aid. But he's not. He's a surgeon. He ain't going to put a Band-Aid on it. He's taking it off. Or he's taking it out. Yeah. Amen. What's he going to do that with? Which is a... Woo, 
yeah. Man, we got some Bible people in here. She Woo, hallelujah. I pray God I love that. Hallelujah. You see how the Word of God comes alive? You see how the Word of God, man, comes alive? Pray God. You don't have to get theory. You don't have to say, well, I think this, think that. You can preach the whole dead gum sermon. Amen. With nothing but Bible, 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 Bible. Praise God. You preach the whole message. Never get outside the parameters of Bible. Praise God. That's where you're safe. He is a, woo, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Amen. The righteous runneth into it and they are safe. Praise God. I'm safe in here. I'm in the name and I'm in the word. I love that. Oh yeah. We're in that vine. Yes, sir. We're in that vine. Mm. <laughs> I love the Word of God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I'm going to stop this right here because...